Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We've got an awesome show lined up for you. Uh, we're talking about a subject that is very, very near and dear to my heart. And I would argue to say you will never accomplish your full potential if you don't completely understand the topic that we're talking about here today. We're going to get to our amazing guest here in just a moment. And I'm just kind of saying a few extra words while he's galloping into the studio. Here he comes, riding in on his white noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. Oh, it is good to be back. How are you, James? <laughs> I'm good. You, uh, <laughs> you really only come for the intro, don't you? <laughs> that's literally it it's like the highlight of my week <laughs> it's the one and only time where you potentially say something kind about me it's only because it's rehearsed it's not because i actually mean it <laughs> right <laughs> oh but looking forward to the show i am i am as well and uh and we should just tell all of our listeners um dean dean said right while we were getting ready for the show he's like look i might have to mute myself because dean lives in the countryside I mean, that's the only explanation why he rides into the studio on a horse, right? First of all. Um, but he does live in the countryside, the beautiful British countryside. And evidently right next to where he's recording right now, there's a big lawnmower going by, a big tractor, as you put it. Correct, Dean? Uh, it's literally right outside my house. If you can't hear this, I don't know. I've, I've got a good microphone if you can't hear that. <laughs> I'm hoping that we can because it makes it really amusing for me. Um, we're going to, we're going to introduce our guests here in just a second, but if you guys are listening to us live and at any point you want to call in, make sure you do 888-627-6008. You want to add some value, ask some questions, give Dean a hard time, whatever your reason for calling, we don't judge. Um, so we're going to get to today's guest who is an expert on leadership, um, uh, developing the leader within you, developing high performance teams really understanding what it takes to lead an organization and yourself to growth. Um, we're here today talking with Peter Montoya. Welcome to the show, Peter. It's so amazing to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed I didn't get a galloping steed, but uh, I'll, I'll survive. It, yeah, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those things uh, you kind of have to prepare for in advance. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, I, I want either steeds or coconuts uh, clapping together. Right. Well, Dean could Why? take off his coconut bra and probably clap for you right now if, <laughs> if he's willing to do that. Um, so, uh, so in all seriousness, Peter, um, your, uh, your topic is something that I'm, you know, I, I've immersed myself in, in terms of, you know, how to lead people, how to be a better leader, all of those things. And, you know, one of the, I want to start out with something that I think is a little bit of a myth I feel, and I'm interested to hear what you think about this. Many people believe that you're either born a great leader or you're not a great leader. 
And I would argue you can develop great leadership skills over time. And I'm, I'm super curious to hear what you have to say about that. I, I could not agree more. We have this very popular trope that leaders are only people who orate on the stages to on lecterns to you know thousands of people. They have you know they, these extroverted personalities. They're very good looking and charismatic, and that's kind of our perception of a leader. But all, leaders really come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, leaders are definitely made, not born. No question about it. Right. Right. Um, so what, what got you into this field to begin with? I want to rewind the clock for just a second. Like, why are you doing this? I've got a huge why. So here's my huge why. And I'll start by asking both of you a question based on our current trajectory. Will civilization be better or worse off in 50 years? I, I would say worse. I would agree with Wes. Yeah, and that's me too. So I've got an epic level of personal responsibility, and the whole idea of me leaving the planet and civilization in a poorer state than I found it to my 14- and 17-year-old kids and my future grandkids is really unimaginable. So I think this is probably the place where I can move the needle the best to create the next generation of future leaders who can actually solve many of the many problems we have facing us right now. Yeah, you know, and I think I think you're hitting on something that's really interesting. I do believe that many of the problems we faced are a crisis of leadership. Um, you know, great great leadership creates great things, right? People people want to follow a great leader, but in the absence of great leadership, everyone's kind of just floating around and they they mm. they feel aimless, I think. Right. I would say that human civilization is kind of in our late teens or early 20s. If you remember yourself when you're late teens, early 20s, you were really dangerous. You know, <laughs> you were now independent. You could do anything you wanted. You could experiment with all sorts of adult vices and no one could tell you no. You could smoke, gamble, drink drugs, stay out all night, not do your homework and not really pay too many consequences for it, and maybe you're just starting to understand the ramification of all your actions, that's where humanity is. We basically come to realize that capitalism is a great creation of wealth and the uh, increasing of human standard and things like that, but there are huge prices we have not paid the price for yet that are actually coming due. So this is kind of that reconciliation when you're early 20s going, you know what, there's a price for me living the way that I'm living. I can't continue doing it. That's that's really that's really an interesting analogy. Dean is actually is. still only eighteen, so <laughs> he's he's right in the middle of that. <laughs> Ready hit home. That one did. Ready hit home. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but no. In all seriousness, though, I'm I'm sure Dean, you would you would agree, you know, because you're you know you're in a you're in a totally different country. But I don't think this is a a, a situation or an issue that's isolated here no. in the U.S. I think it's a pretty global thing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you guys definitely have a good fair share of problems, but <laughs> that's just you individually, James. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I absolutely agree. This there is a global, it is a global issue. You know, this isn't isolated. You see it all over. I, I travel to the US quite a lot, don't I? Typically speaking, you know, I, I I really don't see differences to being back home in those regards. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Peter, we're. Um you know, where, where did this journey start for you? Like, what was your first role where you or others would have considered you a leader? 
Oh, geez. You know, I've had a, a really uh, interesting career. My uh, first job out of college was for the, the biggest motivational speaker in the world. We, I kind of learned the ropes of how to be a speaker and a salesperson and a marketer and a trainer. Uh, I did that for five years, lived in 22 major cities. Wow. And then I was you know, at the right age of 28 when I really felt that I knew it all. I started to break up on my own. I wrote a book called The Brand Called You. And so I kind of was the, one of the first pioneers in this new space of personal branding back in 1997 and 1998. I had an advertising agency uh, in a new industry for me, which was financial services. And I, I kind of amassed a good following uh, in financial services. It was probably about the early 2000s when I first started getting recognized as a leader uh, outside of my friends and family. Nice. So what, what were you doing? So in order to get recognized as a leader, you must be doing something differently than other people. What, what were some of those early things that you discovered in your leadership journey that, you know, kind of caused you to stand out and start really being, being an effective leader? You know, well, you know, first of all, I was, you know, in a cutting edge in, in thought at the time because you know, everyone was doing corporate branding at the time and just branding their organizations. Uh, and so I really propelled this idea of personal branding, which actually puts the human being back into it, which is much more flavorful and juicy and authentic than just another boring corporate brand. That was one of the things. And second thing, I was really intrepid. I mean, for 28, 29-year-old guy uh, to go into financial services is dominated by 55-year-old white men. Uh, they don't really want to listen to a 28-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what made me think that I could actually make it in that industry, <laughs> but I really applied myself. I spoke 100 to 150 days a year. I wrote books. I wrote articles. I mean, I worked my absolute tail off. Uh, that's probably what did is, you know, speaking, when you speak well, uh, that is really a game changer. It's a, a magic amount of leverage. Hmm. Um, so before, before we kind of talk about, uh, you know, attributes of great leadership and how to be a great leader and all those things, what would you say is your definition of a leader? Just like, right. you know, kind of bringing everything on the same page for everybody. Like, cause I think people can have different perceptions of that some people think, Oh, being a leader has to do with having a title. Or it's, you know, you got a position or, right. or something, right? Like, what's, what's your definition of that? So, oddly enough, I think the definition of leadership and power is basically the same thing. So, let me first uh, start by asking you guys this. Uh, do you want more power and why? Do you want more power, yes or no, and why? Dean, go ahead. Um, yes. And... Well, it depends where you want to go with the why, but I guess with more power, you can create more influence and create more growth. Absolutely. Great answer. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So a lot of people are very ambivalent about that answer. They kind of picture a, some kind of a fat cat sitting in a corner office, uh, dominating and exploiting other people, making a lot of money, but making people miserable. That's kind of people's projection of what power is. Right. Here's the definition of power. And once you get clear on this definition of power, you realize it's, it's not evil. Power is the ability to achieve intended results. I like that. Yeah, the ability to achieve intended results. And that really is the same definition of leadership. Leadership is the ability to achieve in, intended results. Uh, and obviously today, it's next to impossible to do anything without the cooperation of others. You, you really you can't even go outside without the cooperation of others because you wouldn't have clothing for example. So right. yeah, everything that we do, whether you want to build a business, uh, whether you want to go hiking, whether you want to eat every day requires the cooperation of hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So, so in your, in your experience, um, how do you generate that cooperation? 
Like, what are some of the building blocks? Like, we um, we joke. Or I guess we don't joke. This is just the tips, so we need the tips. <laughs> that, yes, on, we do. On, on those things. Like, how, how do you generate that cooperation? Yeah. So I've got, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people talk about values. You know, John Maxwell is one of my heroes. My wife actually works with John Maxwell. I'm a huge fan of John Maxwell. Nice. He talks a lot about, about values. But he kind of puts values all on the same plane, making all values equal, and I don't think so. So I've actually developed five what we'll call master values or operational values, and I think these five master values are the same for almost almost all business leaders, all organizational leaders. And then from these, you kind of develop your organizational values that make your organization very, very unique. Uh, probably the, one of the, the first ones maybe most important is that of integrity. Um, so doing what you say you're going to do, making your agreements, uh, being free of any resentments, believe it, being free of resentments is a huge one if you want to have integrity, being a whole person. Uh, and then also making sure that you're operating in a way that's win-win with the rest of the world is really important if you want to engender cooperation from other people. you got to start that's, with that. That's really interesting that you uh, put that uh, being free from resentment in the mm-hmm. integrity value. Where, yeah. where, did, uh, where did that come from for you? Well, the, the word integrity, come, actually, it is one of the, there's four definitions of integrity if you look in the dictionary, and it is to be integral, is to be whole. So as a human being, if we are resenting somebody else, we're worried about somewhere else, where our mind is somewhere else, more or less we're at some degree of hurt, and hurt mm. people will hurt other people. Yeah. So yeah. I really believe there is no such thing as a business problem or a leadership problem, there's only a personal pro- problem that has now manifested into your leadership or into mm. your business. Mm. So we have got, as leaders, got to do a really good job of managing ourselves to make sure we're free of all those attachments yeah. that, are, you know, that basically we are obsessing over, that are taxing our thinking, that keep us from being fully present, able to engage with others, being authentic and solve problems. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. All right, so in- integrity is number one. Let's keep yep. let's keep moving down the line yeah, here. Absolute responsibility. Uh, it's sometimes called extreme ownership, and that more or less is owning problems. Uh, more or less, there's a couple of great quotes on this. You know, being a great leader is accepting all of all of the blame and none of the credit. You know, this is what a great leader really does. They they basically own the problem uh, humbly and basically doing their very very best to take care of the problem. We really so absolute responsibility is accepting the situation owning the situation without blame or shame or resentment. It's just yeah. saying, this is what it is. You can right. certainly talk about how you got there and what caused that situation, but spending more than about five minutes or maybe a day on you know thinking about who you may resent for what put credit situation is really not worth your energy. It's a very, very dark hole. Well, right. and that, you know, that reminds me of uh, Dean's earliest big venture when he was breeding parakeets and they all <laughs> ate each other and he took re- personal responsibility for that situation. Happening. <laughs> this is why I've never been able to go back better down that venture. But one day, my friend, I will take the ownership of that and do this again. Well, uh, no, I, I joke about that, but, but in all the times that you've told that story, you've never once cast blame on anything. You've just been like, Hey, like I, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. right. It's true. It's you know? true. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it is, it's kind of a joke, but it is like actually serious at the same time. So integrity, personal responsibility. And I love the, um, I'm sure you've read uh, Jocko Willink's book, extreme ownership, right. Where, right. you know, amazing. The, so, so amazing. And, and I completely agree with you on that whole personal responsibility. And I think 
just to drill into that for a second, I feel like at a certain level of growth, people feel like taking personal responsibility is going to be disempowering. They're like, oh man, like, you know, like, ah, I don't want to take responsibility for that. But, but when you really own that, mm. that's like your entire base of power where you're it like, is. wait, if I have personal responsibility for everything in my world, that means I have the ability to create the results and the change and everything that I want in my world. And it's like extremely liberating. Exactly. That was the word I was going to jump on and use is, it is absolutely liberating. We cannot change what we do not own period end of story. And as soon as we own it, as it is own it, as we want it to be, you're right. It is a superpower of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. awesome. Okay. So, so let's keep going. These are like, you're getting me all fired up here. <laughs> yeah, I like these too. Yeah. And number three, you may not have thought of, and that is uh, humility. Mm. So humility actually has a couple of different components to it. And the first component is realizing that you are no more or less valuable than any other human being on the planet. Uh, and that certainly means you should never, ever, uh, in any way, degrade, disempower, harm another person, unless you're doing personal defense. But nothing makes me more angry than seeing a powerful business person go into a hotel and start abusing somebody in the floor. It, it drives me absolutely nuts. For example, realizing you're the same value and you'd never do that. Yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Also uh, is to see yourself. That is incredibly powerful and reminds me. Oh, sorry, go ahead, James. No, no, no. Sorry. I, I think we uh, we had a glitch there. Go for it. Oh, and, and then also to see yourself objectively, both your strengths and your weaknesses as you are. And the third part is the ability to admit you're wrong. <laughs> and I want to admit that I'm wrong as close to the moment that I make the mistake. Uh, I, I make a lot of mistakes, and I spend a lot of time <laughs> basically admitting my mistakes very, very quickly. Well, I think that's I think that's really powerful because – there, uh, you know, having spent the first 10 years of my career in the corporate world, you had, you know, executives and senior leaders and stuff like that, who for, I guess, political reasons inside the organization needed to, you know, do their best to save face and not admit that they made a mistake and all these things. And, and it creates such distance between you and the connection that you have with anybody else. When, when you're like, oh, this guy just won't ever admit his mistakes. It's like, well, it's okay. Like, just just do it. Like, we would trust you more as a human being if you were mm. willing to be open and say, hey, I made a mistake, right? Because everybody knows they make mistakes. Everybody knows nobody's perfect. But if you're over somewhere trying to pretend that you're perfect and you don't make mistakes, then you wind up just becoming like this plastic figurehead instead of like a human leader. Yes, I, I, I could not agree more. Uh, and it really doesn't, you're not in, in reality. Uh, and it's actually a perfect segue onto uh, my fourth master value. My fourth master value is that of skepticism. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that, that concept before? Not, not like as a leadership attribute. Right, this yeah. is, that's really interesting. Yeah, this is flipped skepticism on his head. really fascinating. <laughs> so skepticism is actually to proportion your level of belief consistent with the level amount of evidence provided. Mm. So if I said, for example, that I could run a four-minute mile, if, you, if I said that to you, I could, you know, currently at my 51-year age, you run a four-minute mile, you would rightly say, well, okay, prove it. Right. <laughs> and until right. I actually did it or until you <laughs> saw it recorded in a newspaper somewhere, you probably wouldn't believe it. 
Now, the reason that skepticism is so important for leadership today is every single model of leadership, of problem solving, collaboration, all starts with a common understanding of what the facts are. And this is what good leaders do, is they bring in all the different information sources, bring the parties together and say, okay, what is the situation, so they can actually agree upon it and then make decisions. This is where, in the United States at any rate, we're falling apart right now, is we have no common consensus of what reality is. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I like that you added that into the to the master values. It reminds me of um, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. Principles, yeah. Where he talks about like the number one thing is to embrace reality as it is, not any better, not any worse. Like the closer you could get to the bullseye on that, the more effective you're going to be at assessing the situation and then putting a game plan together to move forward. Could, could not agree more. So skepticism is, is really, really important. We in business do actually a pretty good job of it. Uh, right now in our national politics here in the United States, we're doing a horrible job of admitting what is reality is causing. A, that's where all this strife is. That's why you're seeing protests and cancel culture uh, and people arguing right now on Facebook is because we can't have completely divergent perceptions of reality. So that's how painful it can be when it's not done right. Do you think that there's a perception um, or at least like for, for many people that skepticism is viewed negatively? Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a he's just a skeptical guy. Like, right. Like, like, why do you why do you think it has that sort of tint to it? Yeah. So like, you're, you're right. The skepticism is seen as being cynical, like, you know, something can't yeah. be done. Uh, I see skepticism as incredibly healthy. It's more or less, I only want to believe in things are true. Bottom line, I want to believe as many things that are true and as few things that are false as possible. Mm. All of my knowledge is temporary, pending new information. And so I'm always looking for new and better information. So my internal reality is as accurate as possible to to the external world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really that's good. That's what skepticism is. That's it. Hmm. And I, yeah, I kind of fought with that word. Maybe I wouldn't use that word, but I kind of liked it word, that word because no one else uses it right now. So yeah. I thought it was kind of different and interesting. Yeah. Dean, <laughs> uh, Dean, what are, what's on your mind? Yeah, no, I, um, you know, you know, as we're going through these, I mean, I know, like, I was thinking this prior to the previous one where you said about the skepticism, but as you were going through the the qualities there, I'm thinking, you know, like honesty, integrity, all the all these things. Like we're not talking complex things in in, in reality, but people get it so wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just I, yeah. I, I don't want to cut off. Like I know we've got one more, but I'd love when you've gone through the five. If we could maybe just like cover that. Like why why do people get it so wrong in positions of leadership? Well, first of all, all human beings are delusional. So every (laughs) uh, single one of us uh, is delusional, and we don't see ourselves or the world the way that it actually is. We see ourselves in the world the way we want them to be, so it causes a disconnect. So it takes an organization that actually – so values are how we want to behave, and culture is actually how we behave. Right. these master values have got to be baked in the organization and they've got to be led from the top down and demonstrated on a barely daily basis from top leadership. So there has been this bifurcation with a lot of leaders in the organization where they go, okay, well, I'm the authoritarian. I am perfect and I'm not to be challenged. No one should ever question me, call me a liar, call me out. Uh, I am here perfect. And if you want these values, you have to be the first person in a meeting to stand up and go, listen, I screwed up. 
Here's right. what I thought was going to work. It didn't work out that way. I made a mistake bigger than any of you possibly could. They have got to demonstrate these values. They want other people to feel comfortable actually living them as well. Yeah. Awesome. Just uh, just a quick reminder to you guys listening. If you're here with us live, you can call into the show, ask Peter a question, say something you want to been, you've been wanting to say, dying to say to Dean, uh, <laughs> 888-627-6008. Internationally, 323-744-4831. So we are here on the edge of number five of the master values of leadership. What's, what's the big number five, Peter? Commitment to meritocracy. So a meritocracy, meritocracy is where the best person advances and the best ideas win. Every organization has got to be committed to that. And if they are not, it will fall into a bureaucratic political nightmare where people or factions are fighting for what's in the best interest of them or their team and not in the best interest of the organization. So each organization has got to be unbelievably committed to this concept of meritocracy uh, and has got to quell any kind of political infighting that an organization goes by. The only thing that matters, just like Ray Dalio talks about, is where we are and the results are going to get in the strategies will get us forward, not individual people's fights. Yeah, that's so Careers. awesome. If if we were in the same studio, I would have gotten up and I would have hugged you when you said that. <laughs> yeah. No question about it. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean I mean the truth is if you want progress the best ideas and the people best suited to perform those ideas must win. Otherwise, otherwise you create massive dysfunction and frustration from those people who would otherwise be helping to propel the organization forward. Correct. It's just really hard. That means the the younger person might get advanced over the older person. It might be, you know, someone in the middle might be making more money than someone who is at the top of the organization. If they're actually providing more value. It's a very, very hard concept for people to grasp, to actually live. I mean, they all love the idea of it. Like best person, best idea advances. Um, but then actually living with it is hard. It takes discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay, so we've got so we've got these five. And Dean, you had a you had a question that you want to circle back on, right? Right. Yeah. Well, well, uh, obviously we we were just talking about it there in, in relation to how, how are people getting these things so wrong? You know, and uh, you know what I? You know, I was just thinking about something else. What what you were saying, James? I I, I remember um, an instance as an employee going back ten whatever it is, ten twelve years. And as a, as an employee, we like in the past. I've had I've had bosses where the type of person that you were talking about, Pete. You know, they they have to remain in that position of authority. They they're, they're never wrong. What they say stands. You know, and that's how it is. Like as an employee within the organization, you you always know, like, you know, the reality, you know, that person's wrong, you know, and, and, and you do lose respect, I would say in that situation. So I, I can see with these values, obviously how that can really cause a lot of damage and a lot of problems. Yeah. For me, you know, for me, it was probably one of the primary drivers that I left my role in my corporate, my corporate really? job. Yeah, because I was just like, you know, I got I got tired of the, uh, the the pretend world that everybody was living in and not addressing what was real, and you know, and and just you know not not kind of calling things for what they were, but instead you know pandering to the you know local political environment and the business and all this other stuff. And it was a huge organization. 
by many means very, very successful. But they're also, I think there's a danger as a company grows, um, even when a company's small, to not adhere to these things that you're talking about, Peter, mm. and disenfranchise the employees and the people on the staff and the people who would otherwise put in 100%, you know, these these things when you're not on on point with them, I feel like they just erode, just slowly erode confidence in people. Mm. And yeah. even in your, in, even in yourself, when you're, you know, the leader who's not adhering to these principles, it's like, man, I'm not getting the results you want. I want, right. And going back to your original question about power, if, if I can't produce the results that I want, I'm going to lose confidence. Right. And, and, and people see these fundamental, these five fundamental things always as the reason why they're not getting what they want, but they're so fundamental, so foundational to like who we are as people and how we operate in groups that if they're off kilter, the, you know, you can have some shining sales tactic, but it's probably, if it's not rooted in one of these core values, it's, it's not going to be nearly as powerful or effective. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's awesome. So, okay. So, so we've talked about these five things. Generally speaking, I know this is a big question. You could probably talk about this for a 200-page book at least. <laughs> what, what are the biggest challenges, obstacles, and roadblocks of people getting to the point where they can get themselves and their companies to live by these things? Great question. I'm going to go back and throw a question at both of you. Uh, in today's modern leadership, what would, what do you think is the number one job of a leader, whether it be a state government or a federal government or a business government business? What's the number one job of a leader? I I think for me it, it's something to do with uh, facilitating people, like creating an environment in which people can thrive, mm. not necessarily like hammering something home. Like that, I think that's mm. one of my perspectives. I yeah. like that. You're very close to my answer. How about you, Dean? Yeah, I, I, I would say something similar to create to create and foster the environment where people can thrive in their position. Excellent. So the, the number one job of a leader in, in the past uh, was vision, strategy, um, thinking. <laughs> they did all the thinking and also dictating. Their job was to be this kind of command and control figurehead mm-hmm. that told everyone what to do. The number one job, in my opinion, of leadership, modern leadership today is leadership development. So the right. number one job of any leader is to be developing other leaders, which is very on, right on par with what you guys said as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, awesome. and, and how, like, what are some, what are some strategies that you teach that you've seen effective that, that help people really achieve that objective? Is it one, I guess one is just acknowledging that that's a key role. That's your job. You, right. Like, <laughs> you know, that's an important thing there. Yeah. So managers uh, delegate tasks and leaders delegate authority. When I first started my business career, 20, sorry, when I started my first business in 1998, uh, I spent 99% of my time in my own personal production. I've got ADHD. I'm super effective. I can put my head down, work for 12 hours a day. I was selling, marketing, writing books, developing content, deal making. I spent 99% of my time doing that. 1% of my time was hiring really good people, bringing them to my office, saying, there's the top of the hill, uh, call me when you get there. And then right. they go off and be lost and not know how to get there. 
Now my time is spent, 60% of my time is spent in coaching, mentoring, and developing other people. I want my company to be autonomous. I want a force multiplier, which means my organization doesn't grow literally, but exponentially. And how you get that is by making other people leaders. Yeah, that's, yeah, awesome. that's awesome. That's awesome. So we've, uh, we've been talking with Peter Montoya, expert on leadership, uh, leadership development, all those things. Peter, um, before you go, is there, is there a great place where people can find out more about you, your, your, your teaching, like stuff that you do? Um, because I think that there is, there is a crisis of leadership in the world today. And I, and I, for one, love that uh, we've made this connection. I feel like we're allies in this path towards creating more leaders. How can people find out about how to work with you? So I'm super easy to find as I wrote those books on personal branding. You can find me at petermontoya.com, petermontoya.com. I've got a program called the High Performance Organization where we work with businesses, business leaders uh, to turn their organizations from linear growth to exponential growth. Uh, it's an eight-week coaching program, consulting program. Where we actually change the nuts and bolts of your organization and completely transform everyone in it uh, to being self-leaders. You can get exponential growth at your organization. And you can find that at my website, petermontoya.com. Awesome. Awesome. Dean, any, uh, any parting shots before we say goodbye to Peter? No, just to say thanks, Peter. Great to uh, get to know you. And thanks for sharing. I think the, uh, the, the five values there are real great tips for everybody listening. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, would like to, I, I would like to mention, uh, we still did not hear the tractor and the lawnmower going by the studio. <laughs> well, I feel I, like... I, 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 feel I like confess, I did actually a, yeah. mute myself once or twice. <laughs> yeah, see, I knew something like that was going to happen. I really wanted to hear that, that tractor. But um, in all seriousness, for you guys, um, go to check out Peter's stuff, Peter Montoya. That's M-O-N-T-O-Y-A, PeterMontoya.com. Peter, thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, a pleasure to meet you. Really appreciate what you're doing in the world. And uh, I look forward to staying connected, dude. Thank you so much for having me. These were a great interview. I hope you come back one day. Absolutely. That'd be amazing. Indeed. We'll talk to you soon. All right. So for those of you guys who are listening with us, make sure you call in live, 888-627-6008. If you're international, 323-744-4831. Call in. Give us some questions. Give us your tips. Um, we've actually got T-shirts. Should we talk about the T-shirts, Dean? Oh, I, I wasn't expecting that, but I mean, we can. I wasn't talking about that either. I think for the first 10 people that are brave enough to call in, <laughs> you have a free T-shirt. There we and go. They're pretty, they're pretty amazing T-shirts. They are amazing oh. T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, dude, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. Yes, I knew you would. I knew on the lead up to this. I was like, this is, this is one of James's people. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know it yet. I didn't know him. Now right. I do. <laughs> well, there you go. Now you do. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, so I think, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those things are, I think, for some reason, when, when people are learning about business and how to make money and, and, and do all these things, I feel like you don't think about the importance of those types of attributes. You think about, oh, well, mm. how do we, you know, how do we create a Facebook ad or, right. <laughs> you know, how do we do this? Right. And like, like a, a an, an attribute like integrity or personal responsibility or skepticism is like the furthest thing from your mind. But I think right. when, you know, after you've, you know, kind of 
been in business for a little while and you've made some sales or you've, you know, had some level of success, you start realizing like what really is going to catalyze the growth of my company, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's actually a, it's funny. It's actually something that I'm in learning mode about. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm always learning. I mean, I'm actually forcing myself and having to learn how to become a better leader within my company. Um, Cause that, you know, you and you and I know privately, you know, I've, I was like stressed and had anxiety and things not too long ago, you know, and, and, and the resounding thing that kept coming out of it was, you know, I've got, I've built this amazing team and I've learned over the last few years how to actually build a team. And we have like a great, you know, like smallish team in, in the company. But what I haven't yet done is learn how to not just be like, you know, another part of the team. I, you know, the team need me to lead and our clients need that. And I've kind of got to learn this whole new set of skills and it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I think in all fairness, so if you're, if you see your path of entrepreneurship and growing your business as, um, as I do, which is probably one of the paths that is also geared towards personal growth more than anything, right? It's like, mm, yeah. uh, I, I firmly believe that the growth of your business does n- will not exceed the growth that you have as a person or as an, an individual. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Great right? way to put it. Yeah. Great, great fact. That was a tip it's, right there. <laughs> yeah. Throwing down a big tip. <laughs> um, but, but like, I mean, all seriousness, it's like, okay, right. your business is a reflection of your capacity, your, your, your best thinking, um, like all these things. And so, you know, your, your personal growth and your business growth, I think are, are very, very highly correlated and linked. And so in that regard, if you want to keep growing your business, you have to keep growing yourself. And, and I don't think the journey is like really ever done. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it, what is your commitment to growth? That's also going to be your commitment to continuing to develop and grow as, as a leader and as a better business yeah. owner and entrepreneur and all those things. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I, it's, you hit the nail on the head hundred yeah, percent. So, so I don't, I don't think it's like, I think, I appreciate that you said you're in active learning mode because uh, I am too. And, yeah. and I think the day that I stop that, which I can't imagine doing, but the day that I, you know, theoretically would, would be this, the day that, you know, that's the beginning of the end for the growth of my company too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're speaking wise words, my friend. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so one of the, uh, one of the other things that I wanted to, uh, I want to bring up here besides all the, you know, conversation and dialogue of leadership is, uh, kind of, kind of taking a turn that I think we're, we're sort of headed back and, you know, this is a, a live show. So we're, you know, we're here talking about what's happening in the world right now sure. here in the U S at least, I don't know what's like over for you in the UK right now, but here we're sort of headed back towards people going into, you know, some various stages of lockdown mode again. And, and I think that right now there's a, there's a tendency for people to start freaking out again. Like, Oh man, like, you know, Mm. what's this going to do for the economy and what's this going to do for me as a person? What's this going to do for, for all of these things. And we've, you know, kind of touched on various pieces and parts of, you know, growing during difficult times and stuff. But I thought maybe we'd spend a couple minutes you know, hammering out and reinforcing some of those, some of those ideas and those thoughts 
So if you find yourself in a situation where the world is changing on you yet again or changing back or, you know, morphing or whatever, you're in a good position to, you mm. know, actually be able to stabilize your situation. Yeah, no, no, I think that's perfect. Actually, I didn't realize uh, I didn't realize the U.S. was kind of heading backwards in that sense. We're uh, obviously I'm in the U.K. for anyone that didn't already know, but um, other that there's actually I think one or two area parts of the U.K. like small small cities that are going sort of back into like lockdown. But other than that, like I I actually feel in my little bubble that I live in, um, it feels like things are going back to normal slightly. Interesting. Um, yeah, we were actually, like my wife and I, we actually went out for a meal to a local place for the first time in since about March uh, last week. Oh, wow. So, yeah. 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 Well, and that's, and that's the other crazy, and this is, I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think when, uh, when, when people are in an experience where something is happening to them, there's a tendency to, to extrapolate that and think this is happening to everyone everywhere. Right. Like, yeah, it's a great know, point. When things are good, you're like, oh, man, everything's so good right now. And it's like, well, for you, right? Sure. Or things yeah. are changing and things are difficult. Like, ah, oh, man, everything is so difficult. And it's like, well, for you, and I don't, I don't really think there's as much universality in a lot of things as people might, uh, might be led to believe. And this is a great mm. situation to, to kind of recognize that, that your city your specific location, your country, whatever, there might be certain circumstances and things that are happening right now. But if you don't focus solely and exclusively on what's happening in your area, in your industry, you can kind of zoom out. And I think that from that vantage point, that's where you really see the opportunities. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, because, you know, we've talked uh, many times before um, about, you know, your, uh, your fast growing, uh, uh, makeup business, e-commerce yeah. business that, that you have with Robin, um, and, and other things and other areas, things are just skyrocketing. Like, yeah, it, well, that's I, definitely been, um, actually in both, both of our, both of my companies, um, we're having, we're like breaking records, like practically every week. Um, you know, and, and, and just, just to be clear, so one of those businesses in like digital information, you know, training products, a coaching and education company, and one, like you've just said, is in physical e-commerce products. So we've got two quite different types of businesses um, and both experiencing, you know, growth. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, with, with one of our, you know, with, with the digital business, sure, we've had to change some of our messaging and adapt possibly how we're presenting things. Um, but through those small shifts and changes of, of doing exactly what you're just saying, James, is being very clear on what's happening right now and, and being aware if you need to adjust or make any changes for us, the changes involved like our messaging and things. And, you know, like I say, we're, we're absolutely growing during this time. It, it is the opposite of what I thought it would be for what's happening right now, in all honesty. Yeah, and and I was talking to somebody earlier, and again, this is not to like, be like, oh my god! Like, look at look at me or anything. But the sure. uh, my three companies, um, we just got our our first half twenty twenty financials. Um, best best year ever for all three of them. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. And, Congratulations. And, thanks. And it's but it's uh, but I attribute that not just to you know w- you know kind of 
you know what we're doing but i think it's the it's the the way in which we're looking at things we're looking at things to say okay even though things are changing even though there's a lot of things going on right now let's stay focused on what works and whatever has changed let's quickly adjust and so we're like double we're constantly doubling down on what's working always like that's such a great principle Mm. to have no matter what you're doing like find out what's working right and going back to what peter was talking about like accurately assess the situation and and i think that there's a there's a gap between what people hear on the news what people are reading like all these things and what's accurate like you've got to accurately assess the situation for yourself so that you can double down on what's working and then identify what's not working and adjust that. But if if you're just kind of in a situation where you're like, oh, my God, everything is falling apart, mm-hmm. then that frame of mind is going to cause you to do certain things that are not going to be helpful, right? Everything, everything is not falling apart, right? right? <clears throat> the, only time, the only time I would agree with everything's falling apart is if there's a big-ass meteor right about to hit the earth and wipe us all out. Then I might concede. All right, everything's falling apart. <laughs> but only, and that's not even guaranteed at that. Not even guaranteed because I'd be like, all right, maybe there's still something we could do, right? <laughs> but, if I just gallop on the noble steed fast enough, we can change the trajectory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How can I saddle the meteor just like we saddle the noble steed? Um, oh. But you know but what I mean? You're absolutely it's- right with what you say, though, because... None of us, well, very few, I I don't think I know anybody personally, but there might be some out there. I would dare say that none of us make our greatest decisions when we're in panic mode. Nope. You know, and and quite likely we make our worst decisions when we're in that kind of mode. So if, you know, if you're feeling the panic and stress, like that first has to stop, you know, you can't make those kind of decisions in that frame of mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think the uh, the interesting thing is most things are generally not as bad as they seem and they're not as good as they seem. It's like right. we... That's true. We, uh, I think we us- usually like go back and forth on this spectrum like, oh my God, everything's amazing. Oh my God, everything sucks. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> And it's like, wait a second, <laughs> reality is probably calibrated a little closer to the middle of that <laughs> spectrum. And and if you're really, you know, you're really wanting to up your decision making quality and now is a great time. Like everybody's everybody's being tested uh in various ways right now. Sure. Even growing sure. businesses are being tested because growth has pains as well, right? Oh, definitely. Well, here's here's a, here's a uh, an exact thing. You, like you, you you mentioned the, the the makeup, the cosmetics business. We just had our stock arrive and started selling yesterday for the first time in seven weeks. So wow. we were growing with such momentum, like, and then COVID came along, and like the 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 international airways of transition of goods basically came to a screaming halt because, you know, one of the things that I've learned in this time is that, um, you know, companies like FedEx or FedEx or DHL, like they're not the only people that shift cargo around. Apparently like passenger airliners, they would be, oh, yeah. be like 
cargo would be included in those flights. That's they work together on those things. I didn't realize this. So when COVID came along, our rapidly fast growing business that was getting to, you know, two, 250 new customers a day within just a few weeks of turning this campaign on, all of a sudden just went to zero and flatlined for like seven, eight weeks straight because we couldn't get stock. So like everybody in every situation somehow is being impacted by what's happening. But it isn't the end, really. No, it's not. It's not. It's not the end. And I think, you know, if anything, uh, that's kind of the message that I wanted to share. It's like accurately assess the situation for yourself. Right. Because, again, going back to like, you know, we extrapolate like, oh, this must be happening everywhere. It's not every every situation is very, very localized. And, you know, there's there's trends and like, you know, watch like the first person that calls in is like going to give me shit about that one statement. They're like, no, everything's (laughs) happening. Right. But my (laughs) my point is there's a massive amount of variance in what's happening here where I live, here with my businesses, here with the specific things that I'm dealing with versus where you live, your businesses, your things, right? And and the only way that you're going to chart a course forward and navigate the situation is not by navigating the general situation or the general situation as you perceive it to be, but your specific situation and what's actually happening for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I will give you that one. Thank you. I mean, the, the noble steed might have been able to say it better, but I, I would agree. <laughs> of course, you, as might Doug. Yeah, yes. Where is Doug, anyway? I feel like <laughs> Doug needs to make an appearance on the show at some point. Um, well, you know, the... Uh, and, and, ah, Hello, Doug, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Doug is on the air. Uh, so Doug is, our, our, uh, Doug is the man behind the scenes. He's our producer of the show. And uh, he's also here to give Dean a hard time when we need that. So thank you, Doug. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, That's great. You know, uh, Dean, it was funny that you said the, uh, the whole thing about uh, the cargo planes and, you know, how the regular airlines right. uh, ship, ship cargo and stuff. I was actually reading an article on Sunday. There is a whole business on a company that buys people's lost luggage and sells the stuff in the luggage. Did you know anything about that? I had no idea about that. Yeah. No, it's it's insane. There's uh I don't know how it how it works internationally, but here in the US, there is a uh a place, I think they're in uh o- Oklahoma or I don't know, some somewhere. They have contracts that after you lose your bag with an airline, if you don't claim it within 90 days, these guys buy the luggage and then they have a giant store and people come and rummage through the store and buy all sorts of stuff that was lost. No way. (laughs) Yeah. No idea. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's incredible. These guys, and these guys have been around since like the 1950s or something. Well, there you go. There there is always opportunity. (laughs) There is always opportunity. Yeah. It's one one company and, and they have all these crazy things. They're like, you know, some, some things are obviously really ordinary, but, um, but there's been like, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollar watches that have gone yeah. unclaimed. Jeez. There's, yeah, there's all sorts of things. There was a, uh, uh, a, a Muppet, like the by the same guy who made the the Muppets. Like, oh uh, yeah, a, yeah, a Jim Henson Muppet was <laughs> left unclaimed. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, 
So just like speaking of strange things in air travel, I, uh, <laughs> I had never guessed in a million years. And I was like, man, and, and they have an exclusive contract with the airlines. Wow. They locked it in. Well, they, they, you can't be, uh, can't be stealing that idea then. <laughs> no, not really. Well, I guess you could, you could try or whatever. Maybe they don't have it in the UK, but um, anyway, it's pretty interesting. I imagine yeah. they're... I imagine their business is down right now. Just oh, yes. <laughs> right? Hard yeah, to lose wow. hard to lose your luggage if you're not traveling and flying. Oh, don't remind me. I I, I still don't get to travel anywhere. I lost all the vacations this year. Oh. Well, for me it was a real blessing because I was supposed to see you over the summer and now I didn't have to. And Well, I suppose there's a bright side, yes, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there absolutely is. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's the other thing that I want to share with you guys today. And I think it's like on the back of, Mm. you know, what we just talked about with Peter, find, find a way to be a leader in your business. And you're never, you're never going to navigate any crisis or any opportunity for that matter. Mm. If, um, if you don't have those things dialed in, if you're not taking personal responsibility, if you're not, you know, somewhat skeptical if you don't have the humility to understand when you know something when you don't know something and uh and i i would attribute at least uh a healthy level of our company's performance this year to taking an accurate assessment of the real world right yeah yeah i think that'd be fair wouldn't it yeah it would be fair so um yeah so (laughs) i i actually uh i actually want to ask you um, now that you guys have stock back in, like now what, what's, uh, what's, what's next for the company? Oh, well now, now comes the fun. Cause it like, it literally had to almost just, just sit there idle for like eight weeks. And it was horrible because we had such momentum and steam behind us. But, um, so, so we basically got the stock in now. Um, we, well, here's, here's, here's a tip. You know, we spoke in the, we spoke in the, um, we spoke in a former episode where we were talking about the COVID situation and how businesses could navigate through this. And we gave a load of tips. And one of those big tips of that episode of that show was to utilize existing built resources. Yeah. Um, So we haven't yet in the first 24 hours, we didn't yet start our advertising, our paid advertising again. Um, That's where the bulk of the customers come from. But what we do have and what we have built over the last you know, couple of years of doing this, so however long, long it's been, is A, a social media following on Facebook, and B, an email list. Yeah. And so we literally, uh, as soon as we got stuck in, we made, a, we made a post on the Facebook page. We sent an email out to, to our audience. And the response in this first 24 hours, just off assets we'd previously built, has been incredible. You know, people tagging their friends saying, I've been waiting months for this. I'm so glad. You know, it's like literally this customer base, this audience we built has been waiting for us to get this product back in. That's amazing. And um, I, I, think, uh, I think we crossed four figures in sales in under 60 minutes. That's amazing. From, well, uh, from like utilizing existing resources. So the plan now is, is full steam back ahead. I mean, it's uh, in all honesty, we un completely against my personality we're going to have to control the growth um and it really goes against what i want to do but it is going back to what the show we've been talking about it is assessing the current climate and situation 
You know, I yeah. know that I can't get more of this product for a couple of months. So, well, yeah, uh, we'll, you'll have to keep us posted on that. We've got to run. We appreciate you guys listening to us today. Make sure you visit us at justtipshow.com. Listen to us every Tuesday, 1 o'clock Eastern. We will talk with you guys later. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.